we're going to talk about the covenant, the covenant of promises. And somewhere in here, I brought a little book. Here it is. The Lord's really been talking to me about the covenant. Listen, you need to know your covenant. It releases a lot of pressure right up here when you know the covenant. And I rely on the covenant. I totally rely on what God has promised. So I went and I I looked up this little book, which is an old book, The Blood Covenant by E.W. Kenyon. Anything E.W. Kenyon has penned, you need to get the books. Every sentence is full of what he says. So uh, my question that I ask myself is, what should I expect of the covenant? You need to write that down so you can answer that in your little book. What can, what should I expect of the covenant? So, um, the Hebrew word for covenant means to cut. It has the suggestion of an incision where blood flows. Okay. So I want to read to you the method of cutting the covenant used. Thank you. Uh, That the method of cutting the covenant used by the native tribes, and they still practice it. A lot of those native tribes still practice this, um, like in tribes in Africa, and I think that his little book said in Africa, and the Arabs and the Syrians. So I want to read several things to you here because I loved it back up 10 years ago. You know, I don't know how many that is, but when we first started learning the faith message, Karen Wilkins, you'll remember this, how it took us back to the ancient of days, to the uh, African tribes. And I'm going to read some of the things that E.W. Kenyon learned here and about cutting a covenant. So let me find where I need to go here. Okay, it says that Two men wish to cut the covenant. They come together with their friends and a priest. First, they exchange gifts. By this exchange of gifts, they indicate that all that one has, the other owns if necessary. Okay? After the exchange of gifts, it sounds like I'm in a barrel to me. I don't know how it sounds to y'all. That's okay. After the exchange of gifts, they bring a cup of wine and the priest makes an incision in the arm of the one man and the blood drips into the wine. An incision is made in the other man's arm and his blood drips into the same cup. Then the wine is stirred and the bloods are mixed. Then the cup is handed to one man and he drinks part of it then hands it to the other man, and he drinks the rest of it. When they have drunk it, oftentimes they will put their wrists together. Remember the old westerns? Okay. That's where this came from. That's where that came from. So when they have drunk it, oftentimes they put their wrists together so that their bloods mingle, or they will touch their tongues to each other's wounds. Now they have become blood brothers. So, um, I want to go on and read some more. He says that no man can live in Africa who breaks the covenant. 
Well, that's strong. He curses the very ground he walks on if he breaks the covenant. We curse ourselves when we break the covenant of God's word. We open the door to Satan. Okay? So he goes on and says, The the vilest enemies become trusted friends as soon as the covenant is cut. No man takes advantage of the covenant or breaks it. It is so sacred that the children to the third and fourth generations revere it and keep it. In other words, it is a perpetual covenant, indissolvable, a covenant that cannot be annulled. And we're going to find out. Praise God, the covenant that we have with our Father God cannot be broken. He's, he's going to hold up his end of the covenant. We may break our part, but he's going to hold up to his end of the covenant. Now then, I want to go to, um, let's see, the covenant of Af- Africa. Let me find that right quick. I want to read that to you because it's so interesting. Let me find what page that's on. Give me just a moment. I love love the the illustrations. The covenant in Africa. One illustration of Stanley. Now this Stanley was a missionary, and he went to Africa. He says when Stanley was seeking Mr. Livingstone, he came in contact with a powerful tribe. They were very warlike. Stanley was not in condition to fight them. Finally, his interpreter asked him why he didn't make a strong covenant with them. So Stanley asked he had what it what it meant and what told and was let me back up. He asked what it meant and was told that it meant drinking each other's blood. Blood covenant. Stanley revolted, revolted from such a right, but conditions kept growing worse until finally the young colored man asked him again why he did not cut the covenant with the chieftain of the tribe. And Stanley asked what the results of such a covenant would be. And the interpreter answered, everything the chieftain has will be yours if you need it. Ooh, can you read this into our covenant? Praise God. This appealed to Stanley, and so he investigated. And after several days of negotiations, they arrived at a covenant. He arrived at a covenant with this chieftain. First, there was a parley in which the chieftain questioned Stanley as to his motives and standing and his ability to keep the covenant. That really stood out to me. He questioned, the chieftain questioned his ability to keep the covenant. Well, let me tell you, we have the ability to keep the covenant if we'll just hang on to this word. So the next step was an exchange of gifts. The old chieftain chieftain wanted Stanley's new white goat. I'll never forget hearing this part. Stanley was in poor health and goat's milk was about all he could take for nourishment. So it was very hard for him to give up his goat. But the chieftain seemed to want nothing else. Here he was at a crossroad. 
Do you want the protection that's provided for you when you go around all these tribes? Or do you want to hang on to something? Are you going to give up whatever to keep the covenant? Okay. So he finally gave up the goat. And the old chieftain handed him his seven-foot copper-wound spear. Stanley thought he had been beaten. But he found that wherever he went in Africa with that spear, everybody bowed to him and submitted to him. The old chieftain then brought in one of his princes, and Stanley led forth one of his men from England. Then the priest came forward with a cup of wine, made an incision in the young black's wrist, and let the blood drip into the cup of wine. Don't you just love this? Don't you just love this, Mama? We're blood brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. He cut a little incision in the wrist of the young Englishman then. And let his blood also drip into the cup of wine. Then the wine was stirred and the bloods were mixed. And the priest handed the cup to the Englishman and he drank part of it. Then handed it to the little black man and he drank the rest of it. Next, they rubbed their wrists together so that their bloods mingled. Now they had become blood brothers. These two men were only substitutes, but they had bound Stanley and the chieftain and Stanley's men and the chieftain's soldiers into a blood brotherhood that was indissolvable. The gunpowder was rubbed into the wound so that when it healed, there would be a black mark to indicate that they were covenant men. The next step in the ceremony was the planting of trees, trees that was known for their long life, and the planting of the trees Then the chieftain stepped forward and shouted, Come, buy and sell with Stanley, for he is our blood brother. A few hours later, or before, a few hours before, Stanley's men had to stand on guard about their bales of cotton, cloth, and trinkets. But now he could open the bales and leave them on the street, and nothing was disturbed. That speaks of me divine protection. Isn't that beautiful? I think that is such a great example. So, for anyone to steal from their blood brother, Stanley, was a death penalty. If they stole from him, it was a death penalty. The old chieftain couldn't do enough for his newfound brother. Stanley couldn't understand the sacredness of it and years later wondered about it. And then he goes on into describing so many other things, the blessings and the curses and all that. But this little book is awesome. It, it even talks about, he explains the, um, the communion, the importance of the communion and how that God, uh, Jesus said to break the bread, that the bread and give it to all the others, and that that bread represented his broken body. And the blood removes the sins. And so it makes communion. He even explained that in this book. And it just makes communion so much more important and understandable when he goes into explaining all of that. So uh, I may see about ordering some of these little books because the covenant of promise is so important and it is so strong. So I go back to what should I expect of the covenant? 
Well, you're going to find out some of the things that you should expect. In Webster's, the word covenant means a binding agreement made by two or more individuals to do or to keep or to keep from doing a specific thing. It's a contract. In theology, it's the promises made by God to man in the Bible. Praise God. Praise God. You know what he he said in Psalms, I think it's Psalms 11, that he would ever be mindful of his covenant. God's mind is full of his covenant. My mind needs to be full of his covenant. Amen. And then he said in theology that it's the promises made by God to man. Well, of course, me and my word study, I look the word promise. It means a vow, indication as of a successful future. It's a basis for expectation. A basis is a foundation for anything. So we need to expect the covenant that it was of promises to be activated in our life, praise God. So the promise is a foundation for a successful future. His promise is, by the stripes of Jesus you were healed. You're blessed going in, you're blessed going out. Everything you set your hands to. All of these promises should be an expectation to us to receive them. But do we expect it? We may have to work on that. So... What should I expect? Okay. If sickness comes, we should expect to be healed. We're talking about what you should expect from the covenant. Because, and we're going to get into some of this other stuff next week, but if sickness comes, we should expect to be healed. Now, we have a responsibility to get that, you know, of how to get that healing and bring it to pass in our life. One thing, it's going to be the words of our mouth and what we're saying. Okay, we should expect to prosper when we become givers. You should expect that. Amen? Amen. So you may need to work on your expectation. Every how I say that, your expectancy. <laughs> Just say it out loud. I expect because I am a giver to prosper. Amen? I expect that because I am a giver. Luke what does Luke 6.38 says? Give and it shall be given unto you good measure. Pressed down, shaken together. Shall men give unto your bosom. He's not going to rain it down out of heaven. But I have an expectancy to be blessed financially because I am a giver. I give, I give, I give, I give. I, I've given several hundred this week to a, a lady. I expect a return on that. There's nothing wrong with that. And the reason I expect it is because God said to. So you're not being selfish. But, you know, you should have something, blessings coming in every day if you're a giver. Expect them. And we should expect the windows of heaven to be opened unto us and for God to pour out a blessing because we are tithers. Do you just plunk that money in the offering plate or in an envelope? Or, or do you pray over it and do you thank God? Father, I thank you that I'm a tither. I thank you that the windows of heaven are open unto me. And what that's going to reveal to me, he says, then he goes on and, and he says that he would pour you out a blessing. 
that there'd be no room to contain it. Well, I want you to know I'm walking in that. And I say that boldly. I say that to honor the word of God, that the word of God works. It's truth. And I'm walking in that. He said he would rebuke the devourer. For your sake, I expect him to rebuke the devourer that's come to devour whatever. Maybe your refrigerator. It may be. I'm thinking Karen Wilkins would. She had that old uh, washing machine forever. What? Oh, my goodness. I'm telling you, they just didn't wear out. And I'm telling you, some of these things you wish they'd wear. I've got so many shoes in my closet. That they just don't wear out, you know? And I look at them, I thought, I had more nose in years. But what is it? It's the covenant. It's the covenant. I've got four closets full of clothes. And I'm not saying that to brag on anything, but I need to go through those things. Justin, quit your laughing. My little granddaughter back there. But, I, you know, and I continue. The thing of it is, listen, girls, the covenant's powerful. I give clothes away all the time. What happens? They keep coming back. They keep coming back, and I have to keep giving, and I have to keep giving. I have a lady that that uh, works for me every two weeks, and I just keep, I mean, some days her car is full of stuff. Just absolutely, I mean, it, it can be so much. Do y'all have a lot of stuff? Well, if you give it away, guess what? According to the covenant, it's going to come back to you. If you give money. Now, sometimes I specify uh, when, I, when I am instructed to give somebody money or whatever. I specify what, what I expect back. You know, I may, I, I know some of you, I, I keep referring to Karen, but we go so far back all the way back to England, Arkansas. But we had this man in our church when we were in the old building. And remember, he used to stay, stand in the back and rattle the change in his pocket while Tom was teaching. Well, he came to Tom one day and he said, you know, I don't need the return on this. Can I transfer that return to my son? Now, that was something to think about. Do you remember that? And Tom said, well, I never had thought about that, but I don't know why not. So sometimes I specify that the harvest go to somebody else. I don't really see that in the word anywhere, but I don't know why not, you know. So, because I'm so blessed, and they just keep coming, blessing after blessing after blessing. And I praise God for that. So he said he would rebuke the devourer, and he said... And what he's saying there is that he would not allow your seed to be destroyed. Well, glory to God. My seed's still in the ground. And, I mean, I sowed some to a lady. And usually I'll tell them, i got to keep seed in the ground. i got to keep seed in the ground. I think I've said that to some of my little relatives. I've got to keep seed in the ground. Why? So I'll keep getting that harvest. Then if I, if I get too much, I'll transfer it. Lord, let this go to Mary today. You want to receive, uh, Mama, Mama needs that. Let's, let's send it to Mama. Praise God. So she can take Mary out to eat. <laughs> but you know, we, we, 
we have fun with this, but there's so much truth in it. Oh, this covenant is so powerful. I mean, you can't help but be rich. Let me tell you, you cannot help but be wealthy if you do what this word says. It just comes upon you and overtake you. That's what Deuteronomy 28 said. It'll come upon you and overtake you, but we got to do be a doer of the word of God. Hallelujah. Okay, so whenever... Oh, I looked up the word expect, and I love this definition. It means to look forward to. It, it means it's going to occur. Well, what does that do to your faith? It's going to occur. It's going to happen if we expect it. Amen? So whenever I'm under attack in any area of God's promises, I need to go back over my covenant, and I need to reestablish it in my mind. Lord, your word says so-and-so. Now, back probably 30 years ago, I got a bad report. And uh, the doctor said that it was cancer. They took a biopsy, and they sent it to Dallas. And it came back, okay, I didn't have cancer. Well, these two doctors got together, and they said, there's something wrong with this. We're going to send it back. So they sent the biopsy back to Dallas. And it still showed that it wasn't cancer. And they just knew it was. Well, the main doctor called me at home when they got the second report back that it was not cancer. He called me and he said, Miss Underhill, he said, you have made my day. That was his exact words. You have made my day. That, that is not cancer. Listen, that's part of my covenant. Now you say, well, you have some battles going on now. Well, sure, but I'm going to win the war. I'm going to, I, it has, I have to win the war. And I told my friend Kathy, who is one of my intercessors, I said, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. What I'm doing is pushing back what doctors say to the back of my mind and I'm moving on and I'm telling you it works it absolutely works praise God so renew your mind to the covenant and when I got that report from the doctors that I was telling you about years ago when they gave me that the first thing I did I came by the office where Tom was I didn't even tell him what they said I told him, I said, well, I just want you to know. And he never asked me what they said. I said, I just want you to know that I'm going home and getting my covenant out and renew my mind to the covenant. And that's what I did. And guess what the report finally came back saying? Everything's okay. The word works. But we have to work it. We have to put action to it. We have to put words to it, what his word says, praise God. So, our covenant is a tool for defeating the attacks of the enemy. Our covenant is. That's why you need to know what it is and what it says. And, and it's everlasting. God will not break his end of the covenant. We do. But if we'll stay in agreement with it, then we will have the results that the, co- that the covenant promises. So I encourage you to study the covenant. 
because it's everlasting. A covenant has a covenant has power. Amen. So, did you know that's how David defeated Goliath? Was he had a a covenant? So, I'm going. We're going to take the time and we're going to go to First Samuel and we're going to read a little bit out of that about uh, David. He defeated Goliath. Praise God. Okay, I'm going to see where I want to go. As, I'm just going to paraphrase some of this. This um, David's brothers had followed Saul into the battle, and David was busy tending his sheep. He was the youngest, and he didn't didn't have to go. But the father Jesse sent him into battle to follow Saul, and so these three I think it was three brothers. Um, they didn't know what David knew. In fact, they didn't like David very much, you know, because he was he was killing the bear and the lion and all of this kind of stuff. And I think they were pretty probably pretty jealous. So anyway, let me see where I want to start with this. Um, so when David got there, Jesse sent him with cheeses and stuff for the brothers. Well, when he got there, the brothers thought, oh, you little haughty thing, you just come to watch this, you know. But while David was there, he heard what the giant was saying. David heard words. And those words were, were not good. And let me see here in verse, uh, in verse 8 of 17, it says, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me if he be able to fight with me. Oh, was he in for a surprise. And fight with me and kill me. Then will will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and I kill him, then you shall serve me. You'll be my servants. And the Philistine said, I defy. Now, this is very important. I defy. I dare is what he's saying the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man, and we may fight together. Boy, he was puffed up, wasn't he? So when Saul and all of Israel, all of the people that were there for battle from Israel, heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Goliath's words delivered fear. You cannot allow doctor's reports, financial reports, to deliver fear to you. Amen? Amen. You know the word. You speak against it. Amen? So it goes on, and so David decided he would be the one. So uh, after the brothers got through with him... (laughs) David said in verse 29, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spoke after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spoke, they rehearsed them before Saul. And he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. He said, Quit being afraid. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. This little bitty guy that tended sheep. He knew something that his brothers did not know. 
He said, let me go. I'll fight him. He, was, he had no fear. Amen. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you're but a youth. And he is a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, thy servant. Now listen, he started reminiscing and remembering his victories. You need to remember your victories sometimes. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flocks. And I went out after him, and I smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. David knew something, didn't he? And he was applying this as a memory to remind himself, hey, I can do this thing. I can do this. So then we go on, and we find out that David faced Goliath, and I'm I'm trying to find out because I don't want to read all this whole chapter. Uh, They tried to put uh, armor on David, and it it didn't fit him. It wasn't what he needed. He knew something. Okay, so now we find in verse 43, we find David facing uh, the giant. And the Philistines said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will, give thy, I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine. He was challenging David. But David had words to come out of his mouth to answer the challenge. Do you have words come out of your mouth when you're being challenged in any area that the covenant promises you? Do you answer those challenges with the word of God? We need to. So then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear, <coughs> and with excuse me, <coughs> and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied this day. Will the Lord deliver thee into my hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. Boy, he was he was putting that care on God, wasn't he? Well, we're going to turn loose some cares today. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. He was talking about a covenant. He had a covenant with God, praise God. So we go on and we found out that, that David did. He took the, the stones. And you know, his words, the covenant guided those stones right into the head. Of Goliath. And it says, and David took the head of the Philistine. He cut his head off. I mean, he stood up on that guy and cut his head off, y'all. And look what he did with it. And he brought it to Jerusalem. Can't you just see that? Use your imagination. Here he comes, carrying this big old head. Blood, guts, and everything. He just cut it off. Because of his words and because of the covenant that he had. Amen. 
So he took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor, and I had never noticed this before, he put Goliath's armor in his tent. I thought that was really good. As a reminder, praise God, my covenant's strong. Hallelujah. Anyway, that, that was all because of the covenant that David, he, see, Goliath did not have a covenant. But David did. And so that was the difference in him winning and Goliath losing. And that's also the method by which you will win. Every battle that comes against you is going to be because of the covenant that you have with the Lord God Almighty. And we have to stay connected to it because if we don't stay connected to it and our words go against it, opposite of what the word says, then we're opening up the door to the enemy and we destroy ourselves. And that was the example that Stanley was given when he went to the native countries was that if they disobeyed that covenant that they cut with their blood brothers, they were going to die. They were going to die. And we want life and we want life more abundantly that the word of God gives us. So expect it's going to happen girls it's going to occur hallelujah so a covenant has power i told you that so in uh god's promises make up his covenant and when we accepted jesus as lord it connected us to god's promises the day you were born again it connected you to God's promises. Praise God. They're yours. These promises in this book are yours. These promises in the book are mine. You and I have a covenant promise, a contract that's sealed with what? The blood of Jesus. It's sealed with the blood of Jesus. Nothing more powerful than the blood of Jesus. Amen. So out of that covenant comes a covenant of health, a covenant of peace, a covenant of prosperity, a covenant concerning your children, a covenant of protection. And and that's just a few that I was naming, and, and probably there's others. But it, the promises are the covenant. They're mine. They're my, I'm going after them. I am going after those, those covenants of promise. So... And the thing of it is, God cannot break his end of the covenant. He can't do that. He cannot go against his promises. That's why we know that when you're under any kind of teaching that says God does this, he makes you sick, he'll take your children to teach you something or all that kind of stuff. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's not true. Because God's promises, he cannot break. And he is not a man that he should lie. That indicates to me that men lie. (laughs) But God is not a man that he should lie. He does not bring destruction to us, praise God. The new covenant that was cut. Now, we see a lot of that in the old covenant. But the new covenant, it says, is a better covenant than what the old covenant was, the new in the Old Testament. And you'd have to go back and understand some of that to understand the old covenant and what happened. You'd have to study that out. But God is bound to his word. He's bound to it. God and his word are one. Amen. 
he told Moses one time that the people he brought out of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They corrupted themselves. And that's what we do. If we're not, if we don't continue to say what the word says, we corrupt ourselves. Or we allow Satan on the scene. But we can do that. We can corrupt ourselves. And Egypt, he said, had corrupted themselves. And they started worshiping what? A calf. They made a gold calf. They took all their gold and melted it down and made a calf. Now, what what had happened was Moses had gone up on the mountain before God. And he was gone so long that the people started. And they'd just been brought out of Egypt. And he had was gone so long that they got to thinking, well, where is he? You know, this man that brought us out, you know, maybe he was wrong. Well, so they melted down all their gold and made a golden image. And what did they do? They started worshiping that image. They left what they knew, the covenant that God had said, step with them. They left that and started making their own. They wanted their own way. And they started uh, worshiping and, and praising this golden calf. And God said they were a stiff-necked people. Couldn't change them. They just decided what they wanted to do, and they were going to do it regardless of the promises that God had made with them. So he told Moses. Now, God said this. I love this. Let's, let's go to Exodus chapter 32 real quick. Exodus 32. And we'll see what God said. He, God got angry. Let's start with verse 7. I think that's where I want to go. So, and the Lord said unto Moses. This is a different side you're going to see in this Old Testament. Go get thee down for thy people which who thou brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. They started worshipping different gods. And the Lord said unto Moses, oh, look, at I can just see his face. I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Now, therefore, let me alone. God said that. He said, let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them, and I will make of thee a great nation. He was going to start all over. Just like with Noah. He started all over. And what did Moses do? And Moses besought the Lord his God and said, Lord, why does thy wrath wax hot against your people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Why are you doing this? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, For mischief did he bring them out, to slay them in the mountains, that's what they're saying, that God did this, and to consume them from the face of the earth. 
turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. (laughs) And then Moses reminded him. He reminded God of his covenant. He said, look, remember Abraham, Isaac, and and Israel, or Jacob, thy servants, to whom you swear by thine own self? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty strong talk to God, wasn't it? And he said unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed, and they shall inherit it forever. He reminded God of the covenant that he had spoken. He said, this covenant is supposed to be forever. So, you know, what did God do then when he was reminded? And the Lord repented of the evil, which he thought. Remember the thoughts? which he thought to do unto his people. God has thoughts. And at this particular time, these people had gone against everything he had taught them. He brought them out. You know, he led them by fire at night and the cloud by day. He fed them. He did all of these things that the covenant said he would do. He provided for his people. And then they turned on him. And they started worshiping something else. Well, people today have a lot of different idols. It may not be a golden calf. But it could be so many different things. Think about yourself. Think about your life and your lifestyle. What do you honor more than you do God and his word? Every one of us have things that we need to to clean up and give more attention. For one thing... The word of God says in these last days that we are together, together more in the house of the Lord. That we're supposed to gather more. There has to be a reason for that. That he tells us to do that. What do we do? People make excuses. I'm too tired. I've got this to do, that to do. All kinds of excuses. So we're not honoring part of the word so let the holy spirit deal with each one of us as an individual what is it i need to clean up you know what is it and and that really gets to me i'm really going to do some i want i want the holy spirit to show me why why is it we need to gather together more as the body of christ what benefit is it what should i expect from gathering together Revelation knowledge. One thing about revelation knowledge, that's knowledge that's revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. Listen, when you get revelation knowledge, nothing can steal it from you. When it's revealed to you, it's that that is not, has not become a revelation to us that we can lose. So let's think about some of those things. Why? We're entering the latter days. I believe that with all my heart. All the signs that I I have studied and and heard different ministers say, it could be any time. I don't know what needs to be fulfilled for the coming of the Lord. But do you know we have such a close connection with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He doesn't even know when he's coming. I think that's fascinating. But we have such a connection with Jesus That if he told Jesus, you'll find that in the word. If he told that to Jesus when he's coming, Jesus would have to tell you and me. Now that's pretty powerful. 
So even Jesus doesn't know. But when the time is fulfilled, guess what? The trumpet's going to sound. Well, hallelujah, that trumpet will sound, and I'm leaving. I'm going with him. Amen? Praise God. What a glorious day that's going to be. But to me, it's so precious that we have such a connection with Jesus that anything he knows, he has to tell us. Wow. That's what this word is all about. He's revealing what he knows to us. That's really powerful. So anyway, let me see where I want to go here. Okay. So God is bound to his word. And that's what, you know, with Moses, he told him, you know, hey, God, you promised. And he had to follow that. You know, they had to humble God. Sometimes the word humbles us too, doesn't it? But I know, don't you wonder what was God's thoughts when Moses approached him with, remember what you said? Remember it, God? Calling his attention to it. Okay. So God could not destroy him. So what was God's word to them? In verse 13, let me see where that is. We'll reread that. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. This is what he said to him. Thy servants to whom thou swearest by thine own self and set us under the tem. He said, he reminded them that he said, I'll multiply your seed as the stars in the heavens. And I will give your seed and they shall inherit it. Promises to your seed. Everything that God had given him was an inheritance for Abraham's seed. What are we? We're Abraham's seed. So that promise is to me. And that promise is to everything he promised Abraham in the covenant with him comes down to you and to me and to our children. We need to teach our children that. And, of course, I know with children, I'm looking at you because you got small ones. We, we have to break that down onto a level. But, you know, that's what our children's church does. They break things down onto a, a, the children's level to where they'll get it. They'll understand that. And don't be surprised if they start teaching on the covenant. Karen, how many do we have born again filled with the Holy Spirit Sunday? Eleven, the last two Sundays, were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues instantly. The Holy Spirit is abiding in the teacher. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. He's the revealer of truth. That's why your children need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's why you need to be if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Because he tells us that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. That he's our comforter. And he's the revealer of truth. And we need the truth in these last days, don't we? So, he said, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven... And all the land I have spoken of, I will give unto your seed. Praise God. And they shall inherit this forever. So that part of the covenant is secure. It cannot be broken. Now let's go to Luke chapter 13. I hope you all are, are seeing the importance of the covenant and what all's in it, and I encourage you to study this. I may see if Susan can get some of these little books of the blood covenant. Is anybody interested in that if I get them? 
I will see if she can order me a bunch because it's so good in, in helping us to remember the covenant. Okay, Luke 13, let's look at verse 10. Okay, most of you remember this woman that had the issue of blood. Now, in verse 16, it says, Jesus said because they didn't like it because Jesus healed her on Sunday, on the Sabbath. And he said, ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham? Now, what was the promise to Abraham and his seed? Yeah, they're going to inherit all of these blessings. He said, being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan hath bound low. That's very important. Those 18 years be loosed from the bond on the Sabbath day. And they didn't think he ought to be healing on on the Sabbath day. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done to him. Then said he unto what, what is the kingdom of God like and whereunto shall I resemble it? And he goes on to talk then about the grain of mustard seed. But notice verse 12. I want you to go back. Did I read that? I need to start with verse 10. I'm going to back up. Y'all, y'all hang on. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. And listen to this. And said unto her, woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her. And immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, there are six days in which men ought to work. Oh, they were so super spiritual. In them, therefore, come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. Should it not? The Lord then answered, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound low, should she not be healed also? How many of you feed your dog on the Sabbath? Or do you let him go hungry? You know, just think about, I mean, they were so super spiritual. So... So being super spiritual will rob you of the blessings of God. So I want you to notice verse 12. He did not say, I'm going to loose you. What did he say? You are loosed. What does the word say? You are healed. You are blessed going in. He blesses everything you set your hands to do. That's a now. Faith is now. It's now. So he didn't say he was going to loose her. He told her, you're already loosed. How could he say that? Because of what Jesus did. Imagine Jesus. I mean, he took the, every curse on him. And he took it to the cross. And every sickness, every disease, every poverty, all of the curses were nailed to the cross with Jesus. So you are loosed. You are loose. Praise God. Jesus used his words to set her free. 
you know, those words had to penetrate her for 18 years. He said, look, you're loosed now. And then he laid his hands on her. I think, to me, I think that was both at the same time. I think he probably laid hands on her saying, you're loosed. You're loosed. And she received it. She expected it. Amen. So the woman had a right to be healed because she was a descendant of Abraham. But she didn't know about the blessing of Abraham. So she stayed sick for 18 years. I want you to know sickness and disease and anything else is not going to stay on me for 18 years. Because I know that I'm loosed. You say, well, you don't look like it. It don't matter what you see. I walk by faith. No, full manifestation of healing is every one of us. She didn't know to make a demand on that covenant. And you know, what does Hosea 4, 6 say? It says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. We're giving you knowledge today. You need the knowledge, okay? In Galatians 3, verse 29, let's go to that. Giving y'all a lot of scriptures today. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Verse 29. And if ye be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The promise. I'm an heir of everything Jesus has done. It's my inheritance. Because I am in Christ Jesus. And he's in me, praise God. Now, the Message Bible says this. Since you are Christ's family, then you are Abraham's famous descendant. (laughs) I love that. We are heirs according to the covenant promises. Say this with me. I'm an heir heir. to the covenant promises. promises. You know what? If I'm an heir, then I'm going to claim them. I mean... The devil's not going to steal them from me. Now, some of you in here have inherited things from parents or from a death of a loved one or something like that. And you know what? You'll fight for that if it's in their will. In my will that I have toward my family, uh, and they see what's in that will, what Tom and I have agreed upon, and it is written, it's unrevocable. That means it can't be changed. I have a irrevocable trust. Nothing can change that. Let me tell you, they would fight for it. And they would say, Mom and Dad left me. It cannot be changed. I'm going to get what Mom and Dad left me. It's mine because it's irrevocable. Well, the same thing is true with this last will and testament of Jesus. That's what your New Testament is. It is his will for you and we need to fight and take back the ground that satan has stolen from us let's fight for it and and we have to fight it with the word of god and fight it with the words and our actions amen so he says that i i am an heir praise god so if i'm an heir ought not i be loose from poverty 
yeah, if I'm an heir of what Jesus did, ought not you be loosed from cancer, diabetes, heart disease, arthritis, old Arthur, you know, arthritis, um, weakness in your body? Ought not be, ought not I be free from these things? Yes. Now I'm going to work on my expectancy. I need to expect that to be true. Well, to me, the answer to those questions that I ask you is yes, 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 yes. I ought to be free from all of these things. Jesus, he went to the cross so that I could have freedom from all of that. And guess what? I'm loosed. And you need to start saying that. I'm loosed. I'm loosed from that. Not going to be I am now because faith is always now. Faith, remember, reaches into the realm of the unseen. You may not see it yet, but your words will bring what's unseen into now if we continue to say what the Word of God says. Hallelujah. So we, I, what I want you to do is to renew your mind to the covenant because it's so powerful. It's full of so much power. Now then, in closing, I've read this. I think it was in this little covenant book. Dare to let God loose in you. Now that's pretty good, isn't it? I need to dare to let God loose in me. Let his word loose in me. What he accomplished on the cross. He said, dare to let it loose in you. Let's go after it, girls. Let's go after that covenant and everything that's included in the covenant. I mean, I ought to be healed. I ought to be prosperous. I ought to have peace. My children ought to be blessed because they're heirs, they're seed. And you are the seed of Abraham. God honored his covenant with Abraham. Amen. And he will honor his covenant with you and I if we will continue in it and not expose ourselves to the negative things of the earth and the world. Amen. Praise God. You can stand. I are loosed. <laughs> Amen. You know, that doesn't that paint an image to you? Words paint images. And that's what I'm seeing. I'm, and I'm not seeing the way things are right now. I'm moving on. That's what I've been saying. I'm moving on. Praise God. I'm pushing back any negative anything. Amen. Praise God. But Father, I bring this beautiful family of yours before the throne of grace. Father, first of all, we want to thank you for grace. We want to thank you for mercy. We want to thank you for forgiveness. And Father, I just ask that the Holy Spirit that's in these ladies comfort them in the life where they're at now and that you are the revealer of truth holy spirit i ask you to bring to the remembrance of all of us your word and our covenant there's things that we haven't covered in the covenant today but you holy spirit know what each one of us need concerning that covenant so father we're going to teach our mouth to say what the covenant says and praise god 
we're going to be loose. We're going to let you loose just like the word says. And I'm turning you loose, Father God, inside me. And I thank you and I proclaim that today in Jesus' name. Amen.